Zero hours. Catherine Mather. Ow! Zero hours. Hello and welcome to Zero Hours Podcast with me, Catherine Mather, where I talk to comedians and other creatives about the best and worst jobs that they've had to do to get by. Today I'm joined by comedian, tax accountant and aspiring domestic goddess, Quan Win Huang. Yes, hello, hi. Uh, would you like to add some context? No, to... we've corrected that. Okay, no, so <laughs> After you, the trial run. You so just want to be a domestic goddess. Yeah, it's too much cooking, festive cooking after Christmas, so it's lingering. I'm sure you would die out in two weeks' time, but yeah. at the moment I quite like the term aspiring dos- domestic goddess. Yes. Because to be fair... When I bumped into you last, you were showing me pictures of new pots and pans that you bought. I have one in my rucksack today, which I hope to return and change the lid because there is some imperfection on it. Yes. <laughs> it was like you'd got a puppy or had a baby or something. Like, oh my God, I'm so proud of them. Well, I showed the picture to some of my closer friends and they were worried. They some gave me a contact for shrinks and <laughs> some say that it's got to the uh, pathological level <laughs> Thing, but yeah, still functioning so far. Yeah, because you're also saying that your shelves can't bear the load. Yes, yeah, so I tried to put them all in, in one cupboard and on two levels. And I probably took the pictures and I realized one of the, the middle, the board, was in U shape. <laughs> <laughs> so then I realized that one of the little gadgets that was meant to hold up the middle section of the board has fallen off half because it was too heavy. Because all, <laughs> all these parts are from the, the Klesse or Staub, the cast iron. And yeah. they are very, very very happy yeah and because i don't have enough space that i will i was piling them up like towels <laughs> like proper towers like i like like a um, cambodian buddhist temple so, so i had to evacuate them. at the moment my dishwasher and my oven are used as storage storage space because i run out of them so well yeah so you need a new cabinet maker yeah, but still that that's just all the uh, justification for the uh, title aspiring domestic artist <laughs> the name of your biography <laughs> Like Nigella Lawson's So 2000 or something. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we're here to talk bad jobs. Yes. Uh, have you done any bad jobs? Or has your life been I skipping thought, through? <laughs> no, I thought about it because I've always tell people I come from a um, Asian nouveau riche family background. <laughs> Although I disguise as a normal middle class quite well, um, my family were quite silly and, and they were quite dramatic. And my parents make money out of um, running their own business. Mm. And as a result, because you know they are not white parents, so they are very happy to invest kids' education. Yeah. So they were horrible parents, but they, for example, wouldn't demand me to pay all my tuition fee through working through college, this sort of thing. So they would just pay up from and anything that's to do with further education, they're happy to pay for it. As a result, mm. I didn't have a fair share of really crappy jobs. Yeah. And actually when I want to do any job in my part time sort of part time job in my spare time, I need to get my parents permission because they want to see whether the job is value adding. So for example, I was um I was a tutor for for kindergarten sort of school age kids out there English tutor and I had to work with native English speakers and and well it wasn't particularly it was cute, it was nice, but I also have to deal with a lot of women like my mom, so I guess <laughs> it wasn't that easy a job. But 
overall, I didn't have that much shit jobs. I do have one I could remember. Um, it wasn't quite a chugger, but but basically, I came to the UK to study master degree, and the deal was I was supposed to go home immediately yeah. so that my life can start in the direction my mom planned out for me. I basically lied to her, so I was holding on to the last bit of money, and I stayed in the UK trying to look for a job. And so there was six months, and I had about a month or two of sort of remainder of the money sent by my family left. Mm. So I need to make up for 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 the gap. And I found a part-time job last to do questionnaires in the street. Yeah. Yeah. I figured that I need something that is um, considered as extracurricular activities on my CV, and I could do all those bullshit questions that in the UK you put a lot of focus on. So, for example. <laughs> Through doing this, I demonstrate my proactiveness. All those sorts of questions. Yeah, so I thought that I would do it. Um, and uh, some people are just not very kind. And <laughs> say for the general public. Yeah, they were assign me to various spots. Um, and you, the well, in theory, is ten pounds per hour. And it was back in two thousand. I think I did it in two thousand six. So oh, that's a lot of money. It's, it's, it's not a lot, lot, lot of money, but you have to do at least six hours in a row together. You can't just do one or two. And in a way, you're not guaranteed enough hours. So um, it was an uh, old woman from Access that ran it, and, and she quite liked me, so she gave me a lot. And um, after I joined, I noticed, I think remember there was an Indian girl that got her share reduced significantly because she just didn't get along well with the woman called Jenny. And they sent me to spots. I remember I had to go to uh, the the street opposite Harrods. Mm -hmm. That was all right one. I had to do it on Regent Street. Yeah. And the worst one I had to do was Hammersmith. Why? I don't know, people in Hammersmith, they were just not... I guess in Harris, a lot of them were tourists. Yeah. Yeah, so they had the... Um they had the spare time to 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 stop and actually talk to you. And when I first started, I didn't know. And I got myself into trouble when I bump into workers popping out just for lunchtime. Uh, so they had limited time. They really don't have time to, to waste. And some of them were kind. They said, okay, I'll answer it. As soon as I started the questionnaire, they realized there were six fucking pages. So oh it's like, and halfway through the first page, they just said, I, I couldn't do it. Um, yeah, I learned a lot of... Um, English expression and idioms. <laughs> what a nice one! I do have to say, it did fulfill the purpose, though, because yeah. I was. How do I say it? Like the English I learned was very uh, pedantic. It was in a sort of ivory tower. It's very academic. Yeah. At that time, I could argue with people um, why UK should join the eurozone. That sort of topic, but I wouldn't get on with just a normal conversation. And three months of really really sort of difficult hard work um it was humiliating it was awkward at time to to stop people even though they you know they, they hate you but <laughs> one thing i learned is that um you have to take advantage of english ability inability to say no because once you get them to talk to you and you can lock them down for for a minute or two and what also helped it was a consultation project of tfl um, yeah. They were extending the congestion charge zone at that time to West London, which was eventually scrapped by Boris Johnson. But quite a few people were actually vocal on that point. So, yeah, and that's yeah. probably the the job that really fit in the criteria you gave me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then also it's not uh, just about 
the it could be a, a magnificent job that you're doing on paper it's um about how you know if you're not enjoying it then it's still a, a shit job so is there anything it, it was winter time and i'm from oh the tropical God. island so <laughs> when i did it around um december it was tough i yeah. i think what helped was all this sort of festive lighting the christmas ambiance help but the sheer level of loneliness and some days when it's really really cold after a couple of hours straight it wasn't pleasant and as a result i still hate the chuggers in general yeah. i think in london they can be quite aggressive but they're just a little bit of sort of sympathy because i could relate to them i know that they're probably needed for for their cv they probably want to get on a really good internship in summer want to get on a good initiative job they probably want to work in the the sort of fundraising yeah. environment industry so yeah uh, i would try to be as polite as possible when i want to just decline and say no and occasionally i would do it just for the yeah. sake of it so you feel like a good person no <laughs> um, I, well maybe just to invest you know just to it's like the opposite for karma if i do good deeds then i will i will reap the benefit later just, <laughs> yeah yeah because i remember when i was doing the questionnaire and there was some um, close to ver- verbal abuse or like i hate people like you that ruin my day things like that and i just thought what have i done in my previous life to deserve this <laughs> and I had to suck it up because the prospect going home and live with my mom so uh <laughs> that gave me energy to keep doing it so because I'm assuming that you didn't go back on account of the fact that you're still here. What did you do? I had to, but I went back with a job offer. So there was a job waiting for me uh, in the UK. And because of that, um, that came with financial independence guaranteed. So I went back with a different negotiating power with with my family and pretty much... Say she then say to me, "I forbid you from going back to the UK to work," and I just say, "But I don't need your signature this time." And yeah. <laughs> so my life kind of changed, and and those money held from this horrible job. But I would say, um, the well accent's still there, but there was improved proficiency of language and um, and the confidence level when I just. If you're able to stop a busy Londoner to do a five-minute questionnaire, there's a lot you can bullshit about yeah. in my subsequent sort of career. Yeah. So, um, yeah, do you think that that was uh, sort of your parents' approach was a, a good one, you know, with regards to uh, we pay for your education, so you'll do as we say, or do you think it was a helpful one or not, really? I don't think it's an optimal one. But um, I guess I may be, I may have a quite a cynical view of the society that in in certain section of the society, especially in Britain, because mm. you 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 guys are quite sort of divided by class, and um, yeah. your background pretty much predetermining sixty to eighty percent people's prospect. Mm. So it doesn't give you the full flavor of the whole society or different walks of life, but you can still get back quite well. It would be the equivalent of someone never do a proper job, but born into a rich family here, then but sent to private schools. Mm-hmm. And a private school, you have all the connections and your parents would just call his mates and someone and you got an internship at a good company and then you get on to do 
uh, got really good job offer. So yeah, I don't think it's the best, but it's workable and feasible, and it's probably quite common in my country and in this country. Yeah. I, I don't think it's quite as bad in Taiwan, um, but I think Britain is very, very. They have very sort of unequal society, and I believe lots of your sort of posher or higher upper middle class、uh, kids、um, probably live like this. Yeah, like、oh, I went punting in Cambridge、uh, recently. We went on a little tour、um, down by all of the co- like colleges in Cambridge. It was insane. So the the amount of、um, I can't remember proper figures, but like、um, I would probably never be able to go to Cambridge、uh, just given、uh, my schooling.、Um, Just you know, like the inequality, and I wouldn't deserve to go to Cambridge because my school, I did not do well. <laughs> I did all right, but I didn't try.、Uh, so I, I'm not saying that I should be allowed to go there, but like there are like clever kids that probably wouldn't be able to get in just on account of the fact that they didn't go. But but if、school. the tuition fees backed、um, <laughs> to the pre-coalition level, so、yeah. right now is nine thousand a year, isn't it? But if it's sort of below six thousand, would you consider it?、Uh, so well, it would have been three thousand pounds a year if I'd have gone to uni when、right. I was supposed to go.、Uh, I could have done my entire degree for the cost of one year of my degree. Yeah.、Uh, now, which when I did it,、um, but I think to be honest, I don't think that you can really consider、uh, the tuition fee as. Money that I'm paying because I'm—it's really cute to think that I'm going to pay it back.、Yeah. I will never pay that money back. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to afford to. So I don't even view that as being a fee. I don't. No, but I know it, it discourages many people because <clears throat> people in general don't like the idea of having a huge debt on their shoulder. The,、mm. the irony is, though,、uh, when I say my parents were fully. Supportive of of my education, it actually doesn't cost that much back in, at home,、um, mm. and it, also it was the opposite. The better schools are state schools, so the better university are state university, and you pay much much less, and you 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 kind of pay more if you have to go to private school, and many of which are considered slightly inferior. Really? So the really really good school back home, the one that your parents will go around and brag about, are the the public one,、uh, but by state one,、I、have to use the term more specifically here. And people probably don't necessarily go abroad to study university.、Uh, you only do that. Well, it's changed a lot. But when I was a kid, there was one college entrance exam, and is is you you succeed or you fail. It was in the old day. You have no other rule but to take that exam. And it's black and white. If you don't get enough money, you don't get in a good university. So when I was much younger, people having to go abroad to study university, it could be that they're just not cut fit for the system. But many of them、uh, would be famous people's kids, politician or pop stars, and they just couldn't survive back home. So it was seen as more. It was an embarrassment. We were seeing that they couldn't compete in the environment. And then you save up, and you go abroad, you study a master for a year or two.、Uh, many middle class families will save up; they were able to to do that.、Um, but that has kind of changed. But I remember at least when I was younger,、uh, in the in the nineties or early two thousands, 
what Taiwanese students felt is we go abroad, we're kind of from more model, normal middle class backgrounds, but lots of kids from um, bigger countries or more sort of backward country. It doesn't feel nice to call them that, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. They they come from like oligarchs and ridiculously rich family. Yeah. So their behavior would be uh, unthinkable for the Taiwanese peers. So we were live there and sort of trying to budget and say, oh, occasionally we want to dine out once or twice, but I have to make sure I save enough. We may be planning a trip or two to other European countries, but we don't splurge. But then you see sort of Chinese student are coming to Europe, and the first thing they do is buy a spare fridge in their own residence hall's room. So, yeah, yeah. it's changed a lot. Um, um, on that point, when I mentioned Britain was um, un- unequal, and I had further evidence of that when I started working. So, so my offer was with a big accountancy firm. So I went to a sort of structure graduate program, even though mm-hmm. I was a bit older than the rest of my my colleagues. And what happened with those really big companies is the HR pretty much work the same way. Uh, so your CV have to fit in certain modes. And if you want to get into a good company, it helps when you have a good internship. Mm. And even those internships you need to apply for with a very complex structure right now. So what really helps if you can do a work experience student in an established famous company? Mm-hmm. And but those are not as structured as the internships. So how does it happen? And every single job I've been to is pretty much a senior manager, a partner, someone important, and they would have their own kids or they would have their friends' kids or they would have their nephew and nieces come in to do nine or ten days. I remember there was this girl who came in and she's the niece of a senior manager. And I gave her work and I actually have to stay behind because by giving her work makes it more difficult for me to finish it quickly. Yeah. I, I was thinking, well, but she comes in at least trying to <laughs> give her something to do so she can learn something from it. And then she uh, sort of complained to another girls of the same ethnicity, um, messenger, which is my colleague, and say that um, Kwang Wen is such a bore. I can't believe he actually gave me things to do. I couldn't go on Facebook. And I just thought, you ungrateful little brat, because a lot of people would kill for this opportunity to have yeah. this credit on their CV, and they can go on to do better things. And you don't even feel grateful, and you're thoroughly undeserving of this opportunity. And the reason you can be here, because you have blood connection to someone already in the corporate world. And that's how I see that the sort of... you. Basically, the British class system just keep replicating itself. Yeah. You may occasionally have people that could sort of leave working class, get into middle class, but broadly, people uh, whose parents are already in a powerful position, they could always create much, much better condition for their kids. And mm-hmm. that's what I experienced, what I've seen as an outsider. So sometimes when I watch TV program and people like Kirsty also, and they will say that, oh, we shouldn't discount someone just because we're from a well-off background. I don't know. The sort of difference in an economic condition is so huge in this country. It does make a pretty, pretty big difference. And you probably have to positively discriminate some of them just to make sure the fairness can be introduced in the system. Yeah. We talk so much. All I talk about, <laughs> I have limited amount of poor jobs I've done. Because <laughs> oh, the other thing I wanted to ask about was, because um, you have national service in Taiwan. Yes. Don't you? So yes. So how, how did that sort of, in, how, 
How does that uh, sort of fit into where your education goes and how was national service? Um, so the compulsory run is now abolished. Um, yeah. So we now go on the recruitment route, but that's quite recent. I did it in 2003 to 2005. And, and normally people have to do it after high school. Mm-hmm. So, so you probably will get a notice when you're 18. And if you decide to go on to study in a university, then you can request for this to be delayed mm-hmm. after you've done your new university education. And if you want to keep studying to master and postgraduate, in theory, you can. But most people I know that choose to go to uni, try to get it done and, and dust it. Yeah, and then study sort of further education afterwards. So you have one batch. A lot of people do it at the age of 18. And then you have another batch do it at the age of 21 or 22 in general. Uh, what I did as, at that time, there was a route for college graduate. So you can take an exam. And if you succeed, then you would join as an officer. Yeah. Yeah. So that means that you are paid. Oh, nice. And you do some sort of, depending on where you go, if you go to the the field or the military camps, so what yeah. you do may be more operational in terms of actually running a unit. Um, but I was assigned to uh, a local, how do you call that? Is it called reservist or reservist? Uh, reservist. Yeah, so I was assigned to a local organization, and my job was um, to liaise with local journalists. Yeah. <laughs> I basically write good things about my organization for them and I would fax out fax <laughs> imagine, right? I was fax out all the articles or I organized conference getting them. So I was pretty much working. Uh, that was the second part of my military service. But the first part I had to go through the basic training as every single soldier's had to. And then I was in um in a little squad for about half a year. Yeah. yeah, it was the bleakest moment of my <laughs> life because I come from the capital city. I was confined to a little, it's not even a town, it's smaller than a village up in a mountain and there's no light. But you can see the closest provincial cities lights are all on. So all the fun thing must be down there. And you eat food, that's, that's horrible. If you have curry, for example, for lunch, mm. for the next two meal, whatever you eat, your your crockery will still smell of curry mm. because they don't have enough time to really deep clean the um the yeah. trays and bowls. Yeah. Uh-huh. But but that that's something people then say I kind of agree. I wouldn't say to the extent that every country must have military service, but given the circumstances and I couldn't change it. One thing that it taught me is, oh, I actually live a very small bubble mm. in Taiwan. So so my community or my family or how I live was a representative of the whole country. For the first time, I met people really from different walks of life. Yeah. Um, drug addicts and smugglers and, and just carpenters and normal people. Or you have people that, that, that all the family lives abroad. Mm. And he just wants to make sure he doesn't come in something illegal to do it. But then it is, yeah, it's, it's a weird experience. I hated that it took two years of my life away from it. But at the same time, it was a very different life I had for those two years. I still could not believe it happened. And mm. it was probably the only proper job when I consider it as a, a profession 
that when I try to apply for graduate scheme here, and that's the bit that sort of stands out. Yeah. The most sort of the the interviewer tend to be really interested in the area, and I was able to justify. I was able to manage people, learn organizational skills, and. They probably thought if you can put up with military, you could probably put up with a lot of shit. So yes, just... <laughs> <laughs> that's good. What so like? What did you want to do as a kid? What was your dream job? Like, uh, I wanted to be a vet, and then I realised that I was really bad at maths and science, and would be a terrible, terrible vet. Uh, so that sort of crushed my dream. Do you have to be dreams. good at math to be a good vet? I don't know. I think it's To be just, accurate in the dosage or... Yeah, I just... I would have been horrendous. Right. I would have just been awful at that as a job. <laughs> I couldn't... Uh, yeah, it's all because I wanted to do it because I liked animals. But I imagine you spend quite a lot of your time putting animals to sleep as a vet, which would have been awful. Um, but if that's your main source of revenue, then... Yeah, killing animals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think I, I couldn't ever have done that. But my family were very supportive of it. Uh, it was a realization that I came to on my own that I would have been awful uh, at that job. Um, but yeah, was there ever a dream job for you? Because it seems like it was already sort of your mother had mapped out what. Yeah, was well, happen. like took a bit of a couple of <coughs> unexpected turns. Um, when I was very little, I was me- uh, literally convinced by my mom that the my my route is to become a successful businessman mm. but I didn't realize that I implied just have to take over the family business yeah. I doubt my brother would be that I would be his I would be the second hand in chief or something you would have been a business quan I know <laughs> what, what an irony uh, but then I realized in primary school and um, sometimes we have group presentations and always enjoying writing sketches mm. and do really silly sketches. And at that time I thought, Oh, I didn't think this is something I want to do in the future, but it is now not my um, bread earning income, but it is something I'm getting much closer to do. Yeah. Like we do stand up. I haven't really tried a comedy sketch, but that is something I will, will want to consider and if possible to be a sitcom writer. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I what I wanted. That's a much more recent vision. But during um, university's time, uh, I had a, a very exact uh, thing in mind that was to become a feature writer, a journalist. Oh. So I studied journalism in university. Um, but the more I study and the more I become disillusioned, disappointed at how the profession is changing. So mm. basically, you don't have as much power as you used to be. I think technology makes it difficult and they don't have the respect they had. Also, my country is a very small country. So, for example, if I become an international like a news correspondent in a different country, I will be at the end of the queue. Yeah. yeah, you're going to, at a sort of queue, have the American correspondent, going to have the British, French, German one. A Taiwanese correspondent can't even call herself Taiwan, which is really, really sad. So, well, so you would have to say you were Chinese? That, that's kind of a difficult thing, because English is not, not my native language. And I think to be a journalist is a very high bar. Um, so when it comes to very detailed grammar level 
It's like, is it plural? Is it not? Is it countable? Is it uncountable? I don't think I can manage that. And when yeah. it comes to the Chinese language, then the market now is in mainland China. It was all fine when they locked themselves down, you know, during Cold War, so we could just pretty much ignore them. But um, Taiwan speaks Mandarin, and and the need for Mandarin will be dictated by by mainland China, or say communist China, and and it's a bit of funny country, so it's just not viable. So I kind of gave it up. Mm. And I, when I came to the UK to study, I wanted to change into a think tank strategist or a sort of economic analyst, yeah, uh, which probably would bore me to death as well. <laughs> the whole reason I became a tax accountant it was the the practical approach at a job that would have provided me with a work permit to stay here. Yeah. So I tried、um, accountant. I tried consultants, and I also tried investment banking. And the the other two just rejected pretty much every everywhere. With accountancy, I had a bit of chance. I don't know.、So、yeah. Turns out I'm pretty good at it, even、yeah. though it's very boring. Yeah, it's a good stable job, and I always come to you if I. Have <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear, I do corporations only. I don't do personal income tax. No, but I do still also call you and be like, "Oh my god, what's going on?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> It's all right, HMRC just as incompetent as we are. So yeah, the、oh, bastards. And anyway, I shouldn't say that. We love you, HMRC.、Um, <laughs> so oh, so now、uh, we're gonna do. Yes. Uh, worst jobs from history.、Um, I, I've been reading from this wonderful book by、uh, Tony Robinson,、uh, who played Baldrick. Did you ever watch Blackadder?、Uh, no. Oh、mm. my god, it's so good. Would recommend.、Um, but anyway, he、uh, has written a book called The Worst Jobs in History, which I also believe is a TV yeah, series. Yeah, that's a very enticing、um, picture on the cover. It is. It's got lots of. <laughs> <laughs> Weird pictures of Tony Robinson wearing strange old timey clothes. Tony Robinson, what is the extreme right one? The good looking extreme right, ED. Oh, Tommy Robinson. Oh, that's Tommy Robinson. Sorry. Yeah, no, I don't、Sorry. think that he's got any.、Uh, Tony's got any、uh, <laughs> affiliation with the EDL. Hello.、Um, <laughs> yeah. Our Chinese speaker. <laughs> I, no, I think he's very happy to have.、Um, <laughs> Other cultures absorbed within our own,、um, but he,、um, yeah, it's a very interesting book. Anyway, I would highly recommend.、Uh, or you can just listen to this podcast and receive、uh, this book over the space of about a year in tiny little. If you、pieces. tell people by listening to your podcast, they will get the gist of the book without having to read it. I think they'll go for it. Yeah, because people like if I can watch a movie rather than read a book, I'll definitely do that. But if you can watch a five-minute YouTube video to explain what the movie is about, then sometimes you just I'll do that as well. <laughs> and then you can sound like, oh yeah, I know what War and Peace is about. <laughs> I tried to read War and Peace, right?、Uh, I got maybe about three chapters in. Oh, it's so dry. But I remember there was one bit where, for a, a bit of a laugh. Um, one of the characters just ties this man to a bear's back and then lets the bear swim down the river.、Um, and even with that happening, it was a really boring book. So just watch the YouTube video of that one, I'd say. But anyway, <laughs>、uh, for context, <laughs>、uh, we've we've been talking about bad jobs from history,、uh, just because 
I think, um, I mean, we are, as we're doing shit jobs, we need to remember that, like, at least we're not uh, mulching around in piss <laughs> and stuff. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about wise women in the medieval, uh, oh, in the Middle Ages, uh, which is medieval times. It does sound like a sequel to Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> wise woman. <laughs> um, well, oh, it'd be such a shit film if it was. Uh, <laughs> Just some little old lady. Uh, wise women just used to describe they made the right choice not to marry people like Pierce Morgan. <laughs> yeah. Jake Harvey's Morgan. <laughs> just, so a wise woman was basically a village's doctor, um, but in a time like way before any real understanding of doctor. I would say medical consultants. Yeah. yeah. Doctor implies a certain level of um, exact, I think, knowledge. Yeah, maybe a general practitioner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, GP, yes. Yeah. I, yeah, for me, there's a difference between doctor and GP. Yeah, yeah so she would have been a GP. Um, but she'd been able to give you, like, a prescription for antibiotics, but she probably wouldn't have been able to, like, remove your leg. Or they would Google the symptoms in front of you on a computer <laughs> yeah. screen. Uh, yes, this woman from the 1400s, 13 to 1400s, had just Google what was wrong with you and then uh, send you on to a leech collector or something. Um, but yeah, so it was sort of 1300s, 1500s, uh, and they would be able to they'd sort of use what they had to hand, which was very little, to try and uh, stop people uh, from getting sick. Uh, bearing in mind that people were very on edge about being sick, given that the Black uh, Death and the plague had... Um, the Black Death is the plague, isn't it? It is, had yeah. swept across Europe and just killed a third of everyone. So people were kind of a bit on edge about their health, uh, as I suppose you probably would be, wouldn't you? Um, and she... Because uh, they thought it was a punishment from God... Um, which, again, if you've not got much context, you would probably think that it mm. was, wouldn't you? Um, so that she would just try and uh, cure people using... Uh, oh, well, we'll come to what she used um, in a minute. Uh, but people would just pay her in kind uh, because they didn't have much money. So it would be like, OK, well, I will uh, cure your sore throat, uh, but you have to fix my roof <laughs> or... Give me cheese. <laughs> but what if she has no other needs? Like I'm sure she'd always need food, wouldn't she? Okay. Um, but when you said people paying, kind of the first thing I thought is just sexual <laughs> intercourse. Just constantly getting banged <laughs> in the forest. <laughs> just can't get enough. <laughs> I've had enough of the No, because then she'd just end up having a baby and then there'd be another mouth to feed. It'd be horrible. <laughs> anyway... Uh, the things that she would use... Um, oh, this is disgusting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were reading this before. Uh, so the, the following cures, the wide woman, wise woman would have uh, spent her time uh, providing were for a bleeding wound, the application of hot, fresh pig stung, um, <laughs> which in retrospect is probably not good, uh, for jaundice... The sh uh, sheep stung and beer left overnight and then drunk. Again, probably best off not <laughs> drinking beer <laughs> if you've got liver problems. Uh, to prevent marking in <laughs> smallpox, sheep dung and wine left overnight and then drunk. 
Again, I don't think it would make much difference to smallpox marks. Uh, for gout, a plaster made from pigeon dung. How, mu- how many pigeons? Why is it this obsession with dungs? <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably the only material she could collect without having to pay for them. Well, like, yeah. It would definitely be readily available, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, how, right, how, much, how many pigeons would you need to collect shit from? To get enough, pl- like, plaster to cover... I mean, you get gout in your joints, don't you? It's probably in your feet. Imagine trying to cover a foot in... I don't know, but it sounds like a trip to Trafalgar Square would do. Yeah, <laughs> Trafalgar Square would And also, it depends too. on how much... Like, if you keep feeding the pigeon, they probably will poo more quickly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, oh, but also, I wouldn't... Like, bird poo... It sort of cements, doesn't it? How would you get it off? You'd need to, like, scrape it off, wouldn't you? She probably has a, she has a pot. <laughs> Potty train. Potty train. Just not my pot, yeah. I just imagine the smell of her sitting room. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All of these animals that she's collecting. Her cupboard. <laughs> right, um, for canker in a woman's breast... Oh, I think that means cancer. Yeah, I do wonder what that word is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and baldness, cancer, breast cancer, baldness, one and the same. Uh, just use a bit of goose dung, which I don't know how you would differentiate from pigeon dung. So, so men in the Middle Ages also um, had problem with baldness yeah. on this island because the level of bald people in this country is just stunning. Yeah, is it not the same in Taiwan? No, and also not quite not as much in in France. I found that feels cruel because you're from a tropical island, which is quite warm. Yeah, and it feels cruel that you get to keep your hair. Ironically, my dad, don't. my dad is is um is not balding. He's half bald. He has all the rims left, and he had a Mediterranean thing. And every morning he would just comb that little oh. one, two, three, four, five to twelve, a little bit over <laughs> just to oh, dad, but, but he wouldn't work with a Jason Statham look, so yeah, yeah, you look like Homer Simpson yeah, trying to comb those I feel men would just give up though sometimes when I sit on the um, the upper deck of the Dopper Decker mm. and I look down, I generally get surprised, there's so much reflection of <laughs> sunlight, that ah, I can open my eyes, but yeah, you're right I think Given the state of your life in the 1300s, 1400s. Probably the least of your concern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like the Black Plague and just trying to find enough food. And that's the what? time when people would die around my age, I, I think, adult male. Yeah, how old are I you? Probably, I'm 38, turning 39 this year. Oh, yeah, you'd be an old man. <laughs> yeah, I will have my uh, cremation policy prepared. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, here we go. To help hearing, a grey eel left to decay in horse dung and inserted into the ears. Uh, for cramps, an eel tied around the affected area. Uh, and for toothache, a bruised cat's ear put on the tooth for three days. Um, can you imagine? But isn't was like um, isn't it be just what's the English word? It's, it's called placebo. Uh, what? It, it, you, you pretend you're giving a treatment. Oh, placebo. Placebo, yeah. 
Yeah, I think, and as well, like because you, they say that the mental comfort would help the body. Um, so the body is is an organism that can. Is, did I use the right word? Because yeah, I always yeah. confused between <laughs> orgasm and organism. So the body can heal itself, basically. Yeah. And it works better when your mind is at ease. Yeah, when you're feeling positive. Yeah. And it's down like the oriental wholesomeness or yin yang crab. But even the Western, I think the scientific finding is gearing toward this area. So, so all this done may just be a way that she make people feel she's doing something. So the problem is being tackled,、yeah. and the people start to worry a bit less, and they calm down. And as they calm down, the body can work better to deal with all these issues. And yeah, but I mean, I think it would still have trouble、uh, dealing with、uh, an open wound when she's smearing <laughs> big shit into it. Well, then she can just blame the weather or something. Yeah, your mind would be at ease, but you, you never know. A plague may、uh, swing the referendum results, so maybe that's what,、yeah. what the country needs. <laughs> but so the thing is, it, like, so this doesn't seem like it would have been a particularly risky job. Because you you would just be out in a hut in the forest just fixing.、People. But you may get infection yourself constantly reaching out to dungs. So that is true.、Yeah. Being around sick people. Some people play with fire. She played with shit. Yeah,、mm. and got burned. <laughs> Still playing with that fire. Because <laughs> it was hot shit. We're so cruel to them, even though it's hundreds of years ago. Oh God, yeah. Well, I mean, we're not as cruel as the church were to them. But who、uh, can they blame if they are so flammable?、Mm. <laughs> Churches are flammable. <laughs> oh yeah, I suppose they are. But、um, no, the church would get involved and be like, "How dare you, woman, try and help people? It is God's will that they broke their hand." But what、um, can the church do? Because church only do exorcism, right? They don't do any other sort of magical. No, but I think that they just didn't want anybody doing anything. Well, it's like、um, Christianity hasn't got to Asia then. Oh no, but it originated in Asia actually. <laughs> Did it? Middle East. Oh well, well yes. But I thought you meant your Asia. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Jesus was Taiwanese.、Yeah. Well, he has arrived, and、uh, they're pretty、um, demonic in my country. So. Really? Yeah, because they got the、uh, the worst. They got the American branch of Christianity. Oh. Very no. intolerant. Oh yeah. Yes, Taiwanese peers, my compatriot, I'm talking to you. It's the worst import we've had. Yeah, because I know that、uh, there are quite a few Singaporean Mormons, right? Because、mm. uh, all of that. I have a sort of mixed attitude towards them because、um, some of them do great deal of sort of charitable jobs. They will go into the mountains and they will heal people and they will help people. And some of those、um, foreign missionaries, they learn my dialect way better. They speak it better than I do. It's、yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah. Good chaps. Yeah, but still.、Um, well, I mean, these、White、these、uh, Christians were not that nice.、Uh, these Christians、uh, would, well, they took control、um, by the end of the Middle Ages. They'd sort of taken control of the education system and didn't really want people,、uh, you know, making it up as they went along, like the wise woman was.、Uh, so、uh, in 1484,、uh, the Pope declared witchcraft as a heresy, 
so all of these poor wise women who were just trying to help were called witches and burnt and drowned and all manner of awful, awful things. Um, which is sad, really, uh, that they would silence women. So, um, but also, I imagine, and I know that this isn't a historical uh, documentary, but I was watching The Last Kingdom, yeah. uh, which is on Netflix. Very good show. Um, the lead gentleman uh, is very hunky. Um, but there is a woman in that. She's one of the, um, the Danes, uh, and she... Um, is basically a witch um, but I think that it would be a good thing to do because uh, in her position uh, all of these blokes that would otherwise be raping and killing her are like oh my god we can't anger her because she'll put a curse on us so I think that's probably why a lot of women were like yeah I'm a witch Oh, don't mess with me soldier <laughs> that is a good point yeah, yeah. Uh, so double edged sword really if they get a hold of you, you're screwed. But mm. then most people were screwed then anyway. So we're saying wise woman is a horrible job, not because she has to deal with poos all the time. It's because their end fate is sealed and doomed, basically. Yeah, and people are quite suspicious of them and the church didn't like them and you just get burnt, burnt for witchcraft, um, which is awful. Well, um, but thank God for modern science that we don't do that to doctors. We now. could just be aspiring domestic goddess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can be Tigella, Taiwanese. Hell no, Tigella does look like a very polished. She can be a witch with all the little <laughs> powders and stuff. You heard it here first. <laughs> I know. Still, she could not defend herself from domestic violence. What? I think it was her first marriage or second one, right? Oh my god, stop making awful allegations on no, this the, podcast. Uh, no, the Sachi, the Sachi, Sachi. I have no idea about pop culture. You should have, you should have Googled me before you come here. I'm should. all about gossips. <laughs> I'm so sorry, I should have Googled everything before. Well, you the are fake news, just give up. You never know what you get. So. Yeah, do you want to make up some facts about <laughs> some more celebrities? <laughs> oh god, that's a difficult one. I can't. Oh, yeah. Out of the blue, yeah. yeah I heard uh, that Philip Schofield is setting up a cat sanctuary in Lancaster in the new year. You know, in that um, <laughs> in, not, in that not. commercial he's making with a little kitten, right? Oh, is he? It looks cute. No, you don't watch the shit channels I watch, probably don't see it. Oh, I, don't I have, have Sky, that's one, but I'm only keeping until Game of Thrones is over. But anyway, <laughs> she actually looks like he wants to eat a cat. In really? That, no, probably just me. I don't have a television, so you I don't have a television. No, I mean, I've got that screen, but it's hooked up to my Xbox. There's just... a lot of savings then. Yeah. license fee. Oh, we still have to pay a license fee because we watch BBC iPlayer. Oh, good point. Uh, which is uh, bollocks. Duh. I don't yeah. save any money. I feel bad because I need to see certain programs with Sky, but then I realized my money was channeled to fund Rupert. Murdoch's Empire. Okay. Just be yeah. shit. Well, I mean, if you weren't doing it... The worst thing is when on Sky you have to pay for a subscription and all the goodies were of an even more expensive package. Like most people, like bars, will have Sky Cadena Sports Channel. So mine doesn't have the movies. I don't have the sport. I have a basic entertainment package and it costs me £33 a month. Yeah. Yeah, so I can't wait until Game of Thrones is over. Yeah. <laughs> 
And what a wonderful note to end upon. <laughs> yeah, because they do burn witches in They do, of, don't they? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I'm very much looking forward to it. Anyway, uh, have you got anything that you want to plug? Uh, anything you're doing? You run a comedy night? Oh, yes. Uh, I run a comedy night called uh, Comedy Comedy Cook mm-hmm. in Bermondsey. Um, so it's probably the best uh, local comedy in Bermondsey because there, there yeah. are many, right? <laughs> it's on the second Tuesday of every month, except sometimes I move it to the third when I have to travel. But go check it out. I think we have quite a decent website. So Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the name of the pub again? It's, very it's pretty called pub. the uh, Gregorian Arms. Yeah, on Jamaica. Then. Yeah, way too spacious for the number of clientele they have, but it's very nice. Pub. <laughs> Stop being bitchy. <laughs> and I can't help it. That's who I am. Because I'm a wise woman. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, yeah. Oh, uh, what have I got going on? Very little. Very little going. Oh, I uh, I got in uh, shortlisted uh, for Leicester. Oh, Leicester! Congratulations! Uh, which is super exciting. Um, I didn't think that that was going to happen at all, uh, and I, I hate mentioning it because I feel like a bell end. But I will. Fuck it. It's my <laughs> podcast, uh, and no one listens to it anyway. No, I think that's so, even more prestigious because you have to be nominated. Would you yeah. be able to work out who, which venue nominated you? Oh yeah, I totally know who did it. Um, ah. So <laughs> there's no mystery there at all. Uh, but yeah, that's cool. Come to Leicester, uh, Leicester Comedy Festival, and book the ticket early because if you book it too late, ticket to Leicester is more expensive than going to Paris. Yeah, expensive. Although if you can get the mega bus, uh, get off at Foss Park, and then it's <laughs> anyway. Uh, honey, I'm well, I'm turning thirty nine. No mega bus for me. Okay, fair enough. Well, we'll sort out <laughs> the uh, the transport. <laughs> to get to Leicester uh, at the end of February at a later date. But uh, thank you for listening. Au revoir.